0: Dear friends, this is uh, Nicholas Bornois of Capital Inc. and we are now coming to the closing of our forum. I am delighted uh, and very happy that uh, today's event was uh, so well attended and above all, that it was an event that was very rich in terms of content, brain power, and um, we addressed uh, critical topics uh, for the global industry. And we also touched upon the continued leadership of the UK and London uh, as a maritime power. So it is a wonderful way to close the conference. And I was saying to uh, uh, Nusrat and uh, Josh that I'm really very proud that uh, within the London International Shipping Week that is packed with great events, uh, Capital Link uh, was again able to deliver uh, uh, a first-class event. And I would like to thank you uh, for your support. And of course, thank all the sponsors um, our partner, Farnley, is the London Stock Exchange, and other sponsors. And now we're closing the event with a, a dynamic duo. Uh, we are privileged to have uh, Nusrat Ghani. Everybody knows Nusrat. She has been the former, uh, the, the undersecretary, the former minister of shipping, uh, the undersecretary of uh, transport. And, the, and uh, of course, we have uh, Joe Stanleywick, uh, the CEO of um, Maritime London. So it's Perfectly fitting that the two of them are going to close the forum and touch upon the continued leadership of the UK uh, in the global maritime sphere. Thank you very, very much uh, to both for your support.
1: Nick, thanks so much. Uh, and thank you again for Capital Link for uh, investing your time during London International Shipping Week. Uh, and congratulations on what I understand, as you say, was, was a really excellent Uh, conference with some really great speakers talking about some very pertinent issues within the shipping industry. Um, It gives me great pleasure to be here today with Nusrat Ghani, MP, uh, previous UK Minister for Maritime, uh, and I think it's fair to say one of shipping's biggest advocates within the corridors of the Palace of Westminster. Uh, We are coming to you today from the shiny new offices uh, of the International Chamber of Shipping, uh, and in fact just beyond this curtain Uh, They are enjoying a drinks reception, uh, celebrating the fact that they have just moved into these offices and the fact that we can be together again here in person. Um, During Nusrat's time as Maritime Minister, she drove the publication of Maritime 2050, which provides a framework for future growth and was, I think it's fair to say, omnipresent, particularly during the last London International Shipping Week, as she really did go that extra mile to, to understand commercial shipping Uh, and how UK government can support the sector through unprecedented levels of change. Uh, Now, as an incredibly hard-working backbencher with numerous and diverse interests, uh, Nusrat's passion for the industry has in no way diminished, uh, as her diary during London International Shipping Week this year is testament to. Nusrat, it's great to have you with us.
2: Thank you so much, and it's great to be here, and thank you to Nicholas for such a tremendous day. I've dipped in and out the presentations whilst being in Westminster and the depth of knowledge has been extraordinary, but the contrast of speakers has been incredibly uh, enjoyable to watch. So thank you so much for inviting us and congratulations on a stellar Monday launching International Shipping Week. But I'm really pleased to be here. Shall I give an update on maybe what I've been up to in the
1: and as I think that would be great if you could give yeah. us an update as to what you've been up to since sort of stepping down yeah. as Maritime Minister. Well,
2: the last 18 months have been consumed by Covid and the sector has been reaching out to anyone that's involved in policy or in the media or amongst themselves to try and ensure that the sector is taken care of during an incredibly difficult time. And the one side, you've got the, the cruise sector, which was crippled by the changes to, to travel. And the other side, you have the freight sector, which became incredibly vulnerable. Um, which also then highlighted the plight of seafarers. So I think the work I've been doing on seafarers, whether it's repatriation or getting an IMO uh, agreement on how they are vaccinated, got the most amount of amount of coverage. But what I was able to do at the beginning of COVID was to reflect on Maritime 2050, mm. which was written at a particular point in time, um, and try and update it to incorporate the impact of COVID on, on businesses, on business resilience and supply chain transparency to. So that report was published with the policy exchange. It's uh, quite an influential think tank over in the United Kingdom. And we're always quite pleased with the recommendations we've put out once they become policy, and we like to tick them off bit by bit. So exploring what more can be done with free ports and the government's levelling up agenda, exploring what can be done more with R&D budgets within the business department to ensure that the sector in the UK can compete when it has to drive down its emissions and also trying to get the whole of government to understand the financial support that the sector gets and also supporting the sector secure finance or those who Mm. want to invest in the sector too going forward. So that was with the policy exchange. Um, Since being a backbencher, I was nominated by colleagues to sit uh, on NATO and I got myself onto the Science and Tech Committee and I recently produced a report on security and focused on maritime security and focused on Asia with a focus on on russia so that's been quite interesting to look at because there's obviously huge vulnerabilities there and we need to work out how we manage our maritime security going forward Um, i've also been asked to sit on the board of the seafarers charity so very close to seafarers mental health employment security and all the issues that come forward to them but the one of the most exciting things i've been able to do over the last 18 months is to chair something called the belfast consortium it's a consortium of 13 partners tasked to come up with the fastest zero emission passenger ferry to have that on our waters in, in two or three years time. And it's also ensuring that we have the right infrastructure at Portside and all the IP and intelligence comes back to the UK, always focused in Belfast. So it's very much a UK led programme and it will be, I hope, one of the um, the gems of, of zero emission maritime transport going forward. So I've been quite busy. The maritime sector hasn't let me go over the last two years, but there are huge opportunities and challenges coming forward, and I, I hope that International Shipping Week will highlight those.
1: I think that's right. And I think one of the things I'd just like to draw on, looking at some of the themes from the conference today, uh, and perhaps some of your interests aside from shipping and, and whether we can bring them together, um, there's, been a, there's been a focus in the conference today in regards to the acceleration of tech uh, and, the, and the the utilization of uh, distributed leisures, etc within within the shipping industry particularly as a consequence of covid-19 now as you as you mentioned one of your many interests is national uh, and commercial cyber security and from from your perspective what are the cyber risks uh, that we need to be aware of in the context of shipping
2: well apart from covid bringing the whole world together and making the maritime sector, I would say, much smaller than it was previously, mm-hmm. because the issues within um, supply chain vulnerability were hitting so many national governments. There have also been some risks regarding the maritime sector, too, whether it is issues in the South China Seas or other dramas that do take place on port side with technology as well. One of the presentations that was done by Dr. Martin Stopford around lunchtime, I think, today, have a number of slides spoke fundamentally about the rigour that's required within the shipping sector Mm. and how the shipping sector is quite keen to adopt new technology but it now has to adopt it at a pace but one of the things it needs to do is start sharing data amongst itself because you can only have national and international security if there's a complete understanding what's happening Mm -hmm. within the sector and within our ports but we know how competitive the sector is and how reluctant they are in sharing any information in case someone else gets a competitive advantage but until they do that, I don't think we're ever going to have the right framework, whether whether it's national or international.
1: And I think I think that's a really good point to build on. It. And just in terms of uh, legislation, uh, you know, we, we often we often don't take into account the framework that is needed for tech to thrive. Uh, and in fact, you know, I've just come from speaking mm-hmm. at an event on electronic bills of lading uh, and the consultation that is currently being run by the Law Commission. Uh, and as I say, it's all well and good having the tech, if you like but you've got to have that legal and governance infrastructure to make it work and yeah. um, from my perspective in terms of electronic bills of lading it's great to see the law commission taking mm-hmm. a forward step to ensure actually that any disputes in regarding e-bills yeah. can be effectively enforced mm-hmm. under english law and dispute resolution uh, and i think again that's a that's almost testament to the uk Keeping its front, keeping you know one step ahead of the competition yeah. uh, in terms of in terms of how it deals with these really vexing issues around the digitalisation of the sector. Now, I think another area that obviously the Capital Link Conference is famous for is finance, uh, and of course, a lot has been made about the Taylor Maritime float uh, on the LSE, uh, and particularly uh, as we see an enhanced demand for equity in the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know that's only gonna be accelerated as the sector decarbonizes. What do you think the future of London is as a, as a financial hub for, for shipping, particularly in the context, I suppose, of the, of the capital markets?
2: Well, I had Nicholas nailed it this morning when he opened the conference and said, the UK continues to be the center for, for maritime business, but also for maritime finance. And I actually listened in to that presentation this morning Tuftons, Bremer and and uh, Taylor Maritime and Edward um, Butcher was it was interesting to listen to him talk about his experience and he basically said there's nowhere else he wanted to to, to be that other than the London Stock Exchange mm-hmm. mostly because of the transparency and governance issues that enabled him to have the credibility to raise to raise money and he also said which I thought was interesting and should actually, should focus people's minds because there aren't that many people there aren't hardly any shipping businesses trying to raise capital it's quite a clean slate Mm. you can actually pitch Mm. to quite a wide group a wide group that wants to dip into shipping but doesn't quite know how to do it uh, doesn't quite know how much they they need to you know how much they need to donate what the leverage may be or or how long they need to be investing for for a decent outcome but it was interesting for edward to say there's nowhere else to be what's offered at the london stock exchange especially around governance is enabling fine funding to come through. At the same time, we do need some movement from government. And I do believe there are a number of consultations in place to look at um, international and London finance, and there's work being being done by the Treasury. We just need to make sure that work is not delayed, that we keep feet to the fire and make sure that this sector and the finance that's needed and the stability that's needed is continued, is looked at. And when when people say consultations are taking place, they actually are concluded and reports are produced. I would argue that the sector needs to have a closer relationship with the policymakers, and I would also ensure that those trying to lobby for the sector um, make sure that politicians and policymakers keep their focus on finance. It's mm. it, everybody wants to focus on the the greening of maritime or the seafarer issue. Both are incredibly important, but without the finance, we're not going to have the sector settling here. Mm.
1: I, I think the I think the two things go hand in hand, mm-hmm. don't they? In terms of finance and the environment, and again, it, it was touched on today uh, at the conference, is that you know, in terms of finance, what investors need is security. And from my perspective, and you know, this is something that, you know, we've been working very closely with the UK government on. Mm. uh, It's about using the leverage that government has through guaranteed products, etc, etc, to ensure that investors have that security uh, in terms of when they look to invest in, let's face it, an uncertain future in terms of decarbonisation technologies. Uh, And if, if government can understand, and I think I think you, I think the government is beginning to understand, largely down to the efforts of people like yeah. yourself, Ms. Brown, in terms of what the what the market barriers are. Let's forget about the technology mm-hmm. for a second, What the market barriers are in terms of decarbonisation, mm-hmm. then there's a great opportunity for the UK mm-hmm. and, and for the UK government to support the global shipping, yeah. shipping industry reach the uh, uh, zero carbon emission targets.
2: Well, absolutely. I think it's interesting how the business department in the UK government now has the largest R&D fund. And most of those funds are now focused on new technology and, uh, and decarbonisation. Yeah. We need to make sure that those people responsible for allocating those funds really understand the opportunities and some of the risks that government has to take mm. as well. Otherwise we're going to end up main, funding the mainstream ideas. And we now need to be thinking a lot broader than that. Our economy post-COVID has been far more stable than those economies in Europe. Mm people want to be working in the United Kingdom, we need to make sure we have the right regulatory structure, the right tax um, inducements, and also we need to make sure this is an easy place to work, and that means having the right people with the right skills in the right place. All the policy papers that were done previously, whether it's Maritime 2050 or looking at um, ports up and down our country, all the work has been done, we now need to make sure that work actually becomes um, physical in and around the country and the relationships between the sector stays close and we don't want to have a situation where announcements are made and the sector has to think what are we meant to do and we haven't had any consultation. And that seems to be some of the the murmurings coming out from the sector today from the absolute zero statement that was made earlier on. Um, Government's not going to get this right, they won't have the expertise and the sector cannot stand on its own two feet without any support from government otherwise they'll just move elsewhere.
1: Absolutely, I think you're you're absolutely right in terms of uh, understanding what that support is from government, but also in terms of uh, achieving zero commissions, the need for consistency in regards to policy, uh, and and I don't mean that in a I don't, I don't mean that in a in a detrimental way, but you know we're seeing a lot of debate. Uh, international against regional against national legislation in terms of uh, carbon emissions how that will interplay with the shipping industry etc and I think what the shipping industry is really calling for to be honest in terms of that policy when it comes to decarbonisation is they understand what's coming down the track again because if they don't they won't get that certainty that investors require uh, to to finance that change, yeah, uh, I, 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 think, I, yeah. I didn't
2: mean to laugh. Then I was just, no. the consistency on the government. Oh, policy no. and <laughs> only because only because we just we just spoke to the secretary of the I, IMO just now, secretary general of the IMO. So you're absolutely right. National governments come up with papers, and then there are. Uh, you know those institutions that have authority over national legislation then you have international agreements as well and it becomes a bit and when you've got a sector like maritime which is international like no other uh, it becomes incredibly complicated and my anxiety is that the the uk fantastic maritime 2050 fantastic clean maritime plan then we have a a hydrogen strategy so many strategies in place but if we are not making making it competitive for the sector to thrive here they will go elsewhere and also we need to make sure that any ambition that we have is then reflected in negotiations on an international scale, whether it's the IMO or COP, which is taking place here in the United Kingdom, in just a few weeks' time. And we know that transport is one of the issues that's going to be tackled, and the anxiety is that transport won't fully be understood within its business cycle, and agreements may take place that make it incredibly hard for the sector to understand how it's meant to revise its business model Mm. and its infrastructure Mm. to deal with any of the agreements that take place at COP.
1: And I think, you know, that will be one of the key conversations taking place this Mm. week in the terms of the message that needs to be delivered from the shipping industry in the the context of COP26. Uh, And again, I think really it goes back to those two things. And I'm sure this is what various stakeholders in the shipping industry will be saying during cop Is firstly, stakeholders, including government, need to understand their responsibility Mm -hmm. in regards to decarbonising the international shipping industry. Secondly, collaboration is absolutely crucial uh, between government and various other stakeholders. Uh, and lastly, that point around around consistency, and I think those will be the three things that yeah. uh, you know, in terms of the shipping industry, gets delivered to COP26, and and let's see let's see how we manage the outcomes. Well, the,
2: the sector's been remarkable, and the fact that we have the Clean Maritime Plan here, mm-hmm. and and the sector's been incredibly open about the, issues, the challenges that it has, and the sort of direction it needs. It doesn't need a huge amount of direction from governments. I always say the lightest touch possible is the best touch you can have from government, especially as we can see how, how governments have behaved during COVID. But at the same time, there has to be some consistent funding and agreement on what the infrastructure may yeah. be going forward. Yeah. So businesses can put together the right model. We need to have some movement on welcoming more of the sector to either list in, in the UK or come and invest here, whether it's up and down in our countries where we're desperate to level up, or even in technology that we need to ensure that we're resilient mm-hmm. um, here in the UK, to manage the industry without relying on countries that could become incredibly hostile going forward.
1: We'll we'll get to levelling up in just a sec. But I just want to I just want to take a step back uh, in terms of what you were saying in and around transparency. Mm-hmm. And you know, from my perspective, the, the the shipping industry is changing. You know, the nature of the ship owner is changing, uh, and perhaps due to the enhanced levels of equity, which is going to be required soon. Uh, you're going to see, well, you're going to see some consolidation. But I think ship owners will begin to ha- behave more like asset managers. Yeah. And my view is that London in the UK can play a unique role in that, given our governance, given the levels of transparency our institutional yeah. investors require, but also the London Stock Exchange. Uh, and I think we're riding on the crest of a wave at I the moment. I
2: think so, yeah. This is exactly what Edward Buttery said from Taylor Maritime this morning. You know, when you when you want your whole lifetime to be in an industry, you want to ensure that you're behaving responsibly and being as transparent as you can, because that is the only way for you to leverage the money mm. and the recognition that you need.
1: Mm. Now, moving on to levelling up quickly, um, and we'll be we'll be as quick as we can on this because we're running out of we're running out of time. Uh, there was a lot of attention in the UK yes. uh, about uh, about a year ago, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. Uh, when Boris Johnson said uh, he wants the UK to be a shipbuilding yes. superpower, yes, yes, right. Yes. Now, that may surprise a number of people oh, in this call okay. who, who perhaps don't really think of the UK yeah, as a yeah. shipbuilding nation. Yeah. Um, now, tell me, what's, what's going on so, in terms of commercial shipbuilding in the so UK? So we're
2: still waiting for the shipbuilding strategy, and I, um, when I was the minister over two years ago, we'd... Dipped into it so we need that to, to come about as soon as we can but the shipbuilding strategy is going to be absolutely critical in levelling up parts of the country which are, are struggling and we need to make sure people are either skilling up or are being able to reopen parts of the country that have been closed down because we haven't been building ships here for quite some time it's um i think there are over over 180 short ships that go out and deal with offshore wind farms that need to be um, redeveloped and built to to take into account um the zero emission strategy that we have in place so there's all that work that needs to be done and it could be done here in in the uk so we are pushing the government and another sector is as well we know there are a tremendous amount of contracts out there we need them to be built all those ships to be built here in the uk whether it's uk border force whether it's coast Guard, whether it's mod but we do need some more direction from government but it's not just the focus on where the ships are going to be built how we're going to skill people up one of the things we need to get right is how we have a loan guarantee scheme in place, a bit like export finance so people can leverage the funding to get the contracts in and get the ships out as well. But I'll be working or looking very closely at this because, you know, we're levelling up across the country is going to be a key point at the next general election. And the shipbuilding strategy, once it's established, if it's done right, will be critical in delivering that levelling up. So that'll be one thing that we won't be ignoring. and I know the sector is chomping at the bit to hear more about.
1: Absolutely. That was your timer. Yes. Uh, we've reached our 20 minutes. Um, we didn't cover off half the things we wanted to cover off. Um, so who knows? Maybe we'll come back again to a Capital Link conference uh, another time. But Nick, thanks so much for inviting us to speak. Those of you who are in the UK, uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of London International Shipping Week physically in person. Uh, and those of you who are all around the world in, with Nick's incredibly eclectic audience, which I know he has. Uh, I hope you enjoy events virtually uh, and have a great rest of the week.
0: Well, I'd like to thank you both, uh, frankly. Uh, First of all, by the way, when the timer went off, I said, did I forget my timer myself? (laughs) (laughs) So, but really, this was uh, the perfect way to close the conference because, frankly, and I'm not trying to flatter you, we talk about shipping, but we also talk about the UK and London, and you delivered exactly, I think, uh, the combination of both in terms of... uh, why London and the UK are so special and why the industry is so special. So thank you very, very much for your good words, for your support. And uh, as we know, we have this event in London every uh, September. So uh, we look forward to seeing you next September, if not before, and definitely at at the next uh, London International Shooting Week, uh, two years from now. Thanks so much, Thank Ms. you. Ratt, thank you. Uh, have a lovely rest of the week. Take care. You yes, Again, thank you very, very much, and enjoy the rest of the week. Thank been you. a pleasure. Thank you. Bye bye.